just sung about the name of Jesus and his power, and I want you to remember those words that we just sang as we come to the conclusion of today's sermon, because it is the name of Jesus that is going to give us the strength, the power, the victory that we need over this topic that we are talking about today. Today we want to talk about this third giant in the series that we're wrapping up today, and the, the the, the, the giant that we're looking at today is temptation. Temptation is a giant that arrives in all of our lives at some point or another. And while we may do our best to move away from it, uh, it is a giant that is constant. It is a giant that, um, you know, we may postpone from time to time, but we all know that at some point or another, the giant of temptation is going to to come. The Apostle Paul said it this way in his own life. Romans chapter 7, verses 19. Paul very honestly and very vulnerably says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. And so even someone like the Apostle Paul was constantly faced with this temptation, this opportunity to do what he should do or to do what he shouldn't do. And he admits that there are times where he does the opposite of what he knows he should do. So the question we want to wrestle with today is if we understand that this this giant of temptation is constant, what can we do to prepare? You are going to be tempted in some way today. You are going to be tempted in some way this week. Do not lie to yourself and think that that's not true. It's going to happen. So what do we do to prepare ourselves to finding a way to stand up against this constant barrage of temptation that will come? We cannot simply push it away. We cannot simply avoid it. If we just live our lives in such a way that we're going to avoid temptations our whole lives, our world is going to get incredibly small. And temptation comes in many forms, and it's possible that even in the little bubble we would create for ourselves, some kind of temptation would come even within that bubble. So just avoiding is not a defense mechanism. Just canceling and turning off everything and and just running away from everything, no, you can't run away from everything. Temptation will come. So we need to ask ourselves, how do we face this giant of temptation? So let's clarify a few things. You do not need to feel guilty when tempted. All of us will be tempted. In fact, Jesus experienced temptation. We also need to recognize the difference between temptation and habits. Do not confuse temptations and habits. Sometimes you're going to find yourself doing the same thing over and over and over, and that's not the same as temptation. You may have developed some bad habits that you need to break. You also need to understand the difference between temptation and testing. We will be tested at times in our lives, and and that's not the same as temptation. And, And we could have a whole conversation around the differences between being tempted and being tested. So let's just give a a basic groundwork for the difference. The outcome goal of temptation is to make you weak, and the outcome goal of testing is to make you strong. 
And so if you find yourself experiencing that which is constantly making you weak and causing you to trouble, struggle, that's a temptation. That's not a test. So I want to look at a passage of Scripture that speaks openly about temptation in a way that maybe we haven't looked at before. And so this is a good indicator for us of just how different temptation can come and how we may experience it. In Mark chapter 14, verse 37, we find the disciples with Jesus in the mountain, I mean, in, in the, um, the, the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus, and, and Luke, uh, Mark tells us this. He says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And Jesus says, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now this all sounds innocent. It all sounds, you know, pretty, pretty simple. But it's interesting that Jesus uses the word temptation here. Instead of just telling them, hey guys, be careful that you don't fall asleep. Try to stay awake. Try to stay alert. Jesus uses this, this, this word temptation. And from this passage, we now understand that our physical condition will impact our you know, how, how vulnerable we are to temptation. So even from this, what appears to be this innocent little comment that Jesus makes, I think we can learn a lot about how Satan may strive to tempt us. In this moment, Jesus says, hey, stay alert, stay awake, don't fall asleep because temptation is coming. It's possible. Stay alert so that you will not be tempted. And so let's look now at how do we overcome temptation. I want to look at two ways. And one is that we need to, first and foremost, we must understand our enemy. That's the first thing. We must understand our enemy. All temptation has a source. And the source is not God. James chapter 1, verse 13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. So Satan is the one who is the source of temptation. Satan is the one who, who will try to make you weak. He will use temptation to weaken you, to destroy your credibility, to make you feel just this constant dread and shame and guilt. God does not tempt us. But we need to be careful that we do not walk into these traps that Satan will set. 1 Peter chapter 5 Verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Part of being alert, part of being you know, uh, um, you know, aware of, of what's going to happen and being aware so that we can stand up against temptation requires that we know our enemy. We need to understand how Satan operates. We need to be able to decipher the lies that he tells. We need to be able to anticipate his next move. If we are alert, we will have a much greater ability to withstand the temptation because as we begin to get lured in, we will immediately recognize this is not from God. This is from the enemy, and we need to take a stand against him. So let's look at some basic things that Satan has done throughout history that we can see from Scripture about how Satan operates. The first thing you need to see 
is that Satan is very subtle. Satan is subtle. Deception is at the core of his makeup. He does not play fair. He does not put all his cards on the table. He's subtle. We see this in the Garden of, uh, of Eden with, with, with Adam and Eve. You know, they didn't expect anything. He came in very carefully. And Genesis chapter 3, verses 1, it says, Now Satan, the serpent, was more crafty than any of the animals that the Lord God had made. In, 19, in 1896, there's a man, a boxer by the name of Norman Kidd McCoy. And this is where you get the word, the little phrase, the real McCoy. It comes from this man. He was a wealthy weight uh, boxing champion. And one day in one of his matches, he was fighting and boxing against a guy who was deaf. And so this person couldn't hear. And about at the fourth round, you know, Norman figured it out. He realized this guy can't hear. And so as the ring is, as the boxing match is going and, and as the round is going, all of a sudden McCoy drops his hands and points to the opponent's corner and the opponent thought, well, oh, I must not have heard the bell. He puts his gloves down, looked over at his corner and that, boom, he got hit and knocked him out. Fair? No. Effective? 100%. And we need to recognize that Satan doesn't play fair. He's not going to wait until you're ready He's not going to give you a time out. He is subtle. And when you are at your weakest is when he is going to make his move. And he will do anything and everything to trick us. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, Jesus says, Watch out that no one deceives you. Satan is the great deceiver. He will do everything we, he can to deceive us. He does not play fair. He is subtle. You may not always see what his agenda is and what his motive is because he wants to fool us and deceive us. The second thing we need to see is that Satan is in no hurry. His goal is success, not speed. How many times have we maybe found ourselves standing up against temptation again and again, and then all of a sudden we found ourselves that we gave in, and we failed again, and it wasn't because we didn't know that we were being tempted, it wasn't that we, you know, didn't know what we should do, or, or you know, whatever it might be, we just found ourselves over time, we were worn down, and we gave up. There's a story about a man named Uzziah, a king, who for years and years and years in scripture faithfully served God. And only at the very end, he gave up. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, you can read that chapter, and it's filled with the accounts of Uzziah. God gave him victory. He became this powerful, powerful man. People loved him. 52 years, he was a good king. And people loved him and, and served him, and, and he did good. And then... After serving for 52 years, and maybe just, just prior to that, he became unfaithful to God. He was filled with pride because of all of his success, and he desecrated the temple. And he was struck with leprosy, and that's how he died. So I want to be careful here because I, we talked about this last week a little bit, the, the, the danger of success. And, and I want to and you know, not say that this is how it was, but it's possible that, that Satan, because he's in no hurry... He was willing to allow Uzziah to have all the success, knowing that at some point it may go to his head. 
So we need to be really careful that we never become lazy in our walk with God because Satan is in no hurry. He may not get you today, but he is going to try again tomorrow. So we must be alert and never become lazy in our walk with God. The other thing is that Satan is calculative. The giant of temptation appears as no giant at all. He often presents himself in small doses. If we're not alert, we're not going to become aware of this deception. He is clever to not reveal too much about himself because he recognizes that if we recognized him for who he was, we would reject him. So he's calculated everything carefully. Again, go to the Garden of Eden. And look at the progression of how he tempted Eve and Adam. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that he goes to Eve and, and he starts with these questions that appear innocent. He says, did, did God really say Eve? Is this really what God said? And what he does is he begins to create this innocent division between Eve and God. As a matter of fact, he actually encourages Eve to put words into God's mouth. What is it that God really said? And so Eve tells him that if we eat from this fruit, we will surely, surely die. And, and here Satan kind of pushes back and he says, you're not going to surely die. You're not going to certainly die. And then he gives his rationale. He's like, here's what you haven't thought of, Eve. Here's what you haven't thought of yet. You're not going to die. But the reason God doesn't want you to eat from it is not so that you won't die, but because you would become like God. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Let me remind us that we were created in the image of God. Eve was already like God. And Satan twists it. And he says, God's keeping something from you. That's why he doesn't want you to eat from this. You're not going to die. You're going to know more than you know now. Calculative. Very subtle. Very slow, but intentional. And Eve didn't see it. Adam didn't see it. See, had Satan come and said, what, what, what did God say was going to happen? And Eve would have said, well, God said if we eat from this, we're going to die. And, and if Satan would have come out and said, oh, God's a liar. He's a liar. Satan would have rejected him and pushed him away. But he understood, Satan understood what it would take. And he went in a very calculative kind of way to approach that situation. And he will do the same thing with us today. Our temptation may not be something you know, wrong that we want to do. Temptation, like I said, has many forms. So our temptation may, you know, some of your temptations may not be to go do something that's wrong. Your temptation may be to think about yourself in a way that you shouldn't have. Your temptation may be to, to feel guilt that you shouldn't feel. To feel shame that you shouldn't feel. And Satan tries to tempt you into feeling that you're nothing, that you're worthless. See, the, the goal of temptation is to weaken you. And if he can get you to start thinking that you're no good, that you're a loser, that you're this, you're this, you can't do anything right, well, guess what? You're going to start to believe those lies. And then you may start to do things because of those lies. And those, those lies, they come on purpose. They come with, with intentionality. So we need to be very, very careful in 
recognizing them and standing against them, Eve should have said, oh, I am already like God. I am made in His image. Have a good day. Next time you are tempted to feel something that's not true, you speak truth over your life. You are a child of the Most High God. You have victory, and you will not fall for the lies of the enemy. Another one is Satan is crafty in how temptation is packaged. There's no law, there's no truth in advertisement law that Satan has to go by. He wraps his temptation in the most beautiful, sparkly, shiny things. He puts a beautiful bow around it, and oh, how we like shiny things. We love shiny things. All those things that will make us feel good. He knows what makes us feel good and He packages it such a way that we are drawn to it and it makes us feel so complete. James chapter 1, verse 14 says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticement. See, let's not only worry about the temptation to do certain things. Let's also be concerned about the desires that begin to be in our hearts. What are our desires for? And if our desires become something that is not pure and, and motivated by God and, and honoring to God, oh, Satan will want to use that. All these little desires, he will try to entice them and say, here's how you could have that. Here's how you could get that without all the pain. Here's how you could get that without all the work. There's a shortcut to that, by the way. Oh, you want to feel a certain way about yourself? Well, here's how you could do that. And you will exploit the desires that we have. So let's be very aware, not just of our behavior, but also of our desire, because all of those can be exploited and packaged to make us feel like we are receiving what we want. So we've looked now, very quickly, at knowing our enemy. That's the first thing. That's an important thing. But the second thing is even more important. The second thing we must do is we need to understand Christ's power over our enemy. Oh yeah, our enemy is strong. Our enemy is subtle. He is deceptive. He's crafty. He's out to get us. But he's not victorious. Satan is defeated by Christ, by Jesus. And so what is the most efficient way then for us to defeat temptation? It's not just guilt. It's not just this constant sense of, oh, I'm horrible, and if I make myself feel really, really guilty, and if I really embrace guilt, maybe that will keep me from going there again. Maybe that will keep me from saying those things again. It's not just, you know, this constant, constant sense of guilt. What about determination? What if I just really white-knuckle it? I'm never going to look at that again. I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going to drink that again. I'm not going to say those things again. I'm going to white-knuckle this. I'm determined to never do it again. You can only be so determined for so long. It's not going to work long-term. What we need to do is we need to recognize that there is already one who has overcome Satan. He... He didn't give in to his temptation while he was on earth. And then on the cross, he paid for your sins and my sins. He rose from the dead. He is victorious over this enemy. And we must embrace Jesus. And through him, we can withstand 
all the temptation that comes. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? And if you think it's just about barely getting by, verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We're not just survivors. We're, we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor death, or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The one who defeated Satan, our Lord, Jesus. 1 John 4, verse 4 says this, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Satan knows this. He knows this. This is our source to overcome temptation. We need to recognize that this isn't just a, a fleshly battle, a fleshly temptation. This is a spiritual battle for our hearts and for our spirits and for our soul. So we need to embrace Christ who has already given us victory through His blood. And but we, we need to also embrace who we are in Christ. I am not just myself. I am, I am saved by Jesus. I am His Son of God. I am a child of God. Sorry, I am a child of God. Jesus lives in me through the Holy Spirit. And we need to recognize that we have this source. The power of Jesus living in us, fighting for us. Complete victory is at our disposal. Romans 8 verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. This means that we do not approach temptation just with our own strength just with our own willpower, or just with this sense of, like, oh, I'm going to feel really guilty and beat myself down, and if I feel really bad, then maybe that will be the tool that I can use to say no next time. And we approach our lives in the presence of Jesus, living out the victory He has given us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is our greatest source to overcome temptation. That we are not on our own. We are part of the body of Christ. Christ's victory is our victory. We face each temptation as members of Christ's body. Not as individuals outside of the realm of the power of Christ. We face temptation through recognizing that I am part of the body. Therefore, Jesus' victory is my victory. My identity is found in Him. I am part of the body of Christ. This is how we must see ourselves, regardless of what kind of temptation may come. That we see ourselves as members of Christ's body. I'll tell you right now, Satan will tempt you. You will struggle. You will fail. But we must never see, and we must never see ourselves as failures and as those who are vulnerable to temptation as if though we have already lost. We must see ourselves as who we are in Christ. And when we fail and when we are tempted, we get up and we ask for forgiveness. 
We renew our relationship with Christ and we carry on. Fear and guilt alone will not keep you from falling into temptation. All the horrible warnings, all the labels on cigarettes aren't necessarily keeping people from smoking. The same is true for each one of us. All the warnings, all the things, all the scare tactics are not going to be enough to keep you from temptation and giving in to temptation. We must recognize who Christ is and embrace Him fully. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world through caused by the evil desires. We have been given everything we need, everything that we need to withstand. And we are commanded not only to avoid sin, but to be slaves of righteousness, to live for God. You've heard me say this before. I want to encourage you to run towards God, not just away from sin. And like I said, you've heard me say this before, that when you're running towards God, you are running in the same direction as if you are running away from sin. But when you are running away from sin, you become weary and exhausted. You're looking behind you. You can't run as well. But when you are running to God, and you see what He has done for you, you see the forgiveness, you see His power, you will be energized and you will be encouraged to keep running. So focus on God. Run to Him. When Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well, she wanted water that would quench his, her te uh, temporary thirst. And Jesus says to this woman, I have water that will not only quench your thirst now, but I have water that will quench your thirst permanently. It will satisfy you. This is what we need to recognize. that Jesus has given us that which satisfies us in a deeper and in a permanent way. Temptation will come to satisfy a temporary need, a temporary feeling. Frederick P. Wood, he put it this way, a beautiful quote from him. He said, all the Father promised that the Son provided, the Holy Spirit performs in us. Jesus, what Jesus made possible, the Holy Spirit makes actual. What Jesus did, the Holy Spirit does in us. When you read these stories about what Jesus did in the Gospels, we may sometimes think, like, wow, that's so beautiful. That's, but that's a then event. This quote reminds us that what Jesus did, the Holy Spirit is now doing in us. We are not alone. We are not on our own. After Jesus was tempted in the desert, even Jesus was attended to by angels. And when you are tempted and when you have struggled through a season of temptation and maybe you are weakened, know that you are not alone. God is not disappointed in you because you were tempted. He will come and He will energize you and strengthen you so that you can continue to move forward. This is a famous verse around temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out 
so that you can endure it. So church, may I tell us and remind us that we have all that we need to overcome temptation. This giant is constant. At times it seems overwhelming. But we have all that we need to withstand this giant. So I want to encourage you to spend some time today. And maybe it needs to be before you go home to consider how you may apply the truth of Jesus into the area where you are struggling most with temptation. So I want to just ask us again today at the end. We're going to play that same little uh, slide with some music. And I want to encourage you to not just rush out of here. If you need to spend some time with God and processing your life, would you do that today? Do not only tell yourself that you're not going to do it again, that you're not going to give in again. Do not only feel guilt for the shame of your last failure. Do not believe that you can never overcome. Don't just sit there and conclude that this struggle, this temptation... I've been trying to get rid of it for years and it's just constant. And you've just concluded that you can never overcome. Do not tell yourself that you're far from God because you're, you're struggling in an area of temptation or you've given in to that temptation. Those are lies. Those are lies. So maybe today, instead of rushing out of here, instead of just telling yourself these lies, you want to approach this conversation differently. You're going to tell God about your temptation. When's the last time you've outlined it for Him? When's the last time you've given Him the details? You may conclude, well, He knows anyway. Yeah, but why don't you share it with Him? Out loud. Tell Him about what you are being tempted by. Tell Him the when. Tell Him the how, the where, the who, and the what your temptation is. Name the time. What time is your temptation most powerful? What time do you struggle the most? Let God know this is the time. Name the person, if it is a person. Tell God the name of the person. Name the website. What's the name of the website? What's the search that gets you to where you end up? Tell him in detail. Say it out loud to him. Tell him the name of the drug that is best. Explain the details of the lie that you've bought into, that you've been told, that somehow makes you feel good about yourself. Tell it to him in detail. Express it to him. Here's, here's the lie I believe that I'm no good. Here's what my... my Family said to me, here's what someone did to me, and that caused me to believe this lie. And I've done all these things all my life to try to be opposite of the lie. Tell God in detail about how you are tempted to do certain things to fill and to avoid this lie. Express honestly to Him the feelings that come on so strong, the emotions, the pain whatever it might be that caused you to respond in a way that you don't want to, explain, uh, um, to, to respond. Tell God the details of your temptation. So I want to invite you today to just stay. 
I know it's Father's Day and you all got burgers to go eat. Go temptation. What if today you would say, I'm just going to spend a little time. We're already over time. Your teachers are already freaking out. It's the last Sunday. They'll be all right. What if today you would stay for a little bit and say, God, I have never told you the details. And you speak the details over your temptation, and then you do this, and then you speak the name of Jesus over it. You speak the name of Jesus over the time. You speak the name of Jesus over the place. You speak the name of Jesus over the person, over the feeling, and you surrender it all to him. Let's pray. And I would encourage you to stay if you need. Father, we are all tempted in this place. Some of us are going to be tempted right now to run and to not deal with anything. God, I pray that today we would start this battle differently. And we would recognize our enemy, but more importantly, we would recognize our victory. I also pray, God, that those of us who are maybe struggling in an area that we would open up and we would tell you about it in detail. We would let you know with our own words what the struggle is and how we are struggling and then invite you, Jesus, the name that is above all names, over that situation. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory that we have in you. Amen. So if you need to stay, I would encourage you to stay. And we'll play the video. And God bless you.